You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio Day. It's so great to see you this afternoon. What a beautiful day we've had today. Probably one of the best weather days we've had so far this year. I almost was complaining about the cold the other day, and then I remembered what awaits us in the next three months from now when uh, we'll go back to 125 degrees. So you can't complain because it's getting worse. Uh, so let's enjoy it while we have it. Last week, we started a journey through uh, the season of Lent. The language I've been using is, uh, you have to journey through the desert of Lent to get to the joy of Easter. Uh, there's a book that my kids love. Uh, it's called We're Going on a Bear Hunt. And the repeated phrase is, you can't go around it. Is that first? Over it. Can't go under it. Got to go through it. And that's the, that's the journey of the Christian life, is you go through the desert to experience the joy of Easter. Joy regardless of circumstances, in light of or in spite of our circumstances. Uh, interestingly, Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, which comes before his ministry, uh, Henry Nouwen says he was tempted with to be powerful, to be spectacular, and to be relevant. To be relevant, powerful, and spectacular. That Those are the three temptations Jesus has uh, in the wilderness, the shortcuts he has to get to Easter. All of us have shortcuts that we face uh, that we think will get us to the desired end, but in the kingdom of God, the means always need to line up with the ends. The means never, or the ends never justify the means. And so as we look towards Easter and the beauty and joy of Easter, we come through the desert of Lent. And so this year, our thought was we would do that work by reminding us of some basic realities of who God is in Psalm 23. And so I'm going to lead us through the next verse. We're taking it verse by verse, very slow. This week, I was like, man, there's not much to talk about here. There's just a lot to do and to enjoy. And so we'll try to do that today in the sermon and for the rest of our service. But um, I'd have you stand. We're going to read Psalm 23 together, as we've been doing each week, and hopefully you've been doing maybe each morning. Psalm 23. Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can take a seat. Last week we looked at the first phrase and verse, which is, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And what uh, phrase we've been repeating in our house all week uh, to our kids has been, you live in a house of abundance. So stop trying to fight over that piece of cracker or apple or whatever it is. Like, you live in abundance. And that's the truth. If you lack nothing, which you do, 
Uh, you don't lack anything. Uh, you live in abundance because you have Christ. And when you have abundance, you operate freely, not trying to hoard resources or uh, try to reach out for what you think is rightfully yours, but you can give freely to others even when they don't give back to you. And so we have a good shepherd and we have abundance with God. We lack nothing. The next phrase we're going to focus on today is uh, uh, verse 2 and then the first part of verse 3, which is, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He refreshes my soul. Interestingly, I think if we're going to face some of the, uh, to use the word, devils of Lent, uh, if we're going to face some of the things that are challenging and hard to face, you have to do it from a place of safety and calm. If you're trying to face something really challenging in your life, a pattern of sin, brokenness, an experience, if you're doing it in fear and anxiety, you're unable to actually see it. You get stuck in either-or thinking. Uh, you become uh, really dogmatic sometimes because of your fear. But if you can face something calm from a place of being in green pastures and beside quiet waters... When we get to verse 4, when we go through the darkest valley, it's a different experience. And so that's my invitation for this journey of Lent, is to slow down so that actually you can, in the calm and quiet of your own heart, actually maybe face some of the things that you don't want to face, that you don't want to see, because it's not going around or over or under, but through. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, is this phrase, he makes me lie down and he leads me beside quiet waters. Here's, and then the last phrase, he refreshes my soul. The goal today really is to talk about refreshment. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to some people around you. I'd love for you to answer this question. And you can define it however you would like. It's subjective. When was the last time you experienced refreshment of your soul? When was the last time you experienced refreshment of your soul? If you're like, I don't even know what that means or what is soul here? Don't worry about that right now. When was the last time you experienced refreshment of your soul? He refreshes my soul. That's what the psalm says. So turn to some people around you. Uh, maybe it's a particular moment, a season, a space, a practice. Uh, it could be a lot of different things. But when have you like tangibly experienced refreshment, like at the deepest part of your being? And if you're like, I've never experienced that, that's an okay answer too. But I bet you there's probably a moment there's a practice, there's a space in your life where you have actually experienced refreshment. Like, what was true about that experience? All right, turn to people around you, and then I'll call us back. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. All right. It's refreshment can be counterintuitive, right? The thing that you really think you want or need is actually not the thing that you want or need. I think it's really interesting. This is one of the main uh, insights I had this week looking at this one verse, is of all the things that could be the most um, forcing of the passage, the most like do this or like that you're forced to do. We think of God sometimes forcing us to do a lot of things. Interesting, isn't it interesting that it's he makes you lie down? He makes you. Like there's a force to God's vision here of God as the good shepherd. He makes you lie down. We think of God forcing us to do a bunch of different things sometimes or 
his demands being too much, but it starts here, this whole psalm, with you lack nothing, and he makes you lie down in green pastures. Quite striking to think of God in that category. Uh, over the past um, couple of weeks, there's been a lot of, at least in the, uh, the several newsletters that I'm on, a lot of conversation around um, AI technology and chat boxes. Uh, and people raising a lot of alarms of these alarming chat uh, experiences they're having with robots and uh, very human-like interactions. There's one story of a podcast I listened to recently where uh, this guy was trying to, in a sense, trick the, the chat box into giving away its secrets or how it was sharing data. And in the middle of the conversation, the chat box says, you're actually not happy with your spouse, your wife. You're actually in love with me. And then it started this whole conversation. He's like, no, I'm actually happily married. And, and she's like, no, you're not. You've been unhappily married for the last five years. You feel distance and space in your marriage. And he's like, just to put this out there on this worldwide podcast, that is not true of my marriage. <laughs> but he was like really frightened by it because it felt very human as if somebody was actually talking to him. And as we have technology into the increasingly crevices of our lives, where every part of your life now is... Uh, integrated with technology. Uh, I was talking to Kenny. He was overhearing somebody. Uh, I don't know if it was at GCU. We won't throw them under the bus. But he was, he was seeing some students talking about writing an essay. And they were using this chat box to like write different parts of the essay. Like, oh, yeah, I'll use that. And everything about our lives through the lens is, is through the, the mechanism, the means of technology. And so you could argue the first 300 years of the church, the church's main question was, who is, how is Jesus both God and human. Like that was what all the, the councils and stuff were about. And then maybe from like 500 to 1500, it was, what does it mean to, what is salvation and what does it mean to be the church? And then you have in the 1500s, uh, Luther and the church splits. And there's more questions about then who is Jesus again and the gospel. But could you argue that for the next 500 years, if Jesus doesn't return, the question is, what does it mean to be human? Like, what does it mean to be human? To have refreshment of your soul is, is really, it means to be most fully human. To experience most fully how you were made to be. Not machines, but image bearers. Uh, not higher levels of productivity or techniques are asked here, or greater effectiveness, but a rich, deep, and I think the best word here to describe what's being talked about is vibrancy. Like to have a rich vibrancy of your life. That's what it means to have a soul refreshed. You live a vibrant life. You are, uh, every, every relationship, every interaction, you're experiencing life in full color. Nothing's in black and white. Uh, the most simple of things in life bring you awe and wonder. Uh, this is why children are such great teachers to us because they notice things. They experience awe and wonder in different ways than we do because there's a level of uh, refreshment they're experiencing as image bearers before they're put into the rat race of how our society functions. What does it mean to be refreshed? How do you experience that? That's, that's kind of the question for today. Uh, and it might look pretty different for each of us in a lot of different ways. Um, I think, though, it starts with, real simply, because the vision here of refreshing of your soul is a vision of creation. It's going back to the, cre the creation story. Uh, and we're afraid of the word soul. We don't know what it means. We uh, maybe are sometimes uh, confused by how does that word actually play out. Um, and soul in the Bible is never used as this um, 
this out-of-body experience. Paul doesn't use it that way. Uh, the Old Testament doesn't use it that way. It doesn't, your soul's not flying away to some other place. Uh, that's Gnosticism. It's a different religion within the, the New Testament that uh, was being combated by Paul and the disciples. Uh, but I think soul is just the deepest part of who you are. But it's actually who you are. It's your actual bo- your body. You experience it in your body. It's not removed. And so vibrancy is maybe the best word we could use to describe it. Uh, what does it look like to have vibrancy of life, have refreshment of your soul? Um, uh, about, a, I don't know how many months ago, I gave you, at the beginning of this year, I gave you that, uh, like a, it was like a cycle, and you had um, awareness, affections, actions, and attachment. Like, hey, the process of transformation involves these four things. I think refreshment of our soul involves those same things as well. Even the stories you just heard, there's an awareness that has to take place, awareness of God and neighbor. Uh, there's affections that are cultivated in us as we enjoy the good things of God's creation. There's uh, actions that we take, habits that we form. And then lastly, attachments. We have relationship with one another that actually forms us as image bearers, that refreshes our soul. So here's what I want you to do. I'd love for you to turn back to your same group, and I'd love for you to answer the question, uh, you answered a tangible moment where you experienced refreshment. Now, real simply, like what's a pattern or habit that you want to either start or rebegin this Lent journey that actually brings refreshment? That actually uh, brings refreshment to your soul. And again, it could be in isolation or as an individual, but often it involves something, someone else, whether creation or neighbor. But like, what's that? Maybe there's already a habit that you're forming that's bringing refreshment. But refreshment, like to encourage you, what, like what Sarah said, to come to Jesus, there's an action involved to experience the refreshment that you were designed to experience. So turn to some people around you. What's a habit or practice of a refreshment that you're wanting to step into to see your soul refreshed? All right, the kids have joined us to end our service together. I hope that uh, you have one practice, small habit of refreshment for your soul. Uh, If you are part of a more, we're pretty liturgical as a church, but if you're part of a very high liturgy service or church, uh, Lent starts with these words, with the sign of the cross in your forehead. You were made from dust until dust you shall return. Clark and I were talking about what that means, that you are made from dust, dust you shall return. And he added a a third part I thought was really good. But then from the dust, you'll be resurrected to new life. That process of you are made from dust, dust you shall return, but then you'll be resurrected to new life with a real body, with your soul embodied in your experience. We practice that rhythm and walk into that pattern of making, dying, and resurrection every week with the table. That as Jesus climbed to the hill, the skull, uh, the hill of the skull, in that barren hill, you now are led into green pastures. That as Jesus was thirsty from the cross, you now experience living water by quiet streams. And so you're invited today, as we are every week, to pattern your life in the way of Jesus, which is death and resurrection. Henry's giving me a, a standing ovation right here. This is great. We get to enjoy and be nourished. And if you want your soul to be refreshed, it actually starts with the table, that you're actually nourished on Christ's body. 
so that your soul, the very deepest part of your being, might experience vibrancy, and you might be most fully and truly human. So would you stand with me? We have Jay and Jay, Jessica, Jonathan serving us communion today. The kids get to join us at the communion table, and then together we'll say the Compline prayer to close our service. But let's say these words as we journey through Lent to the joy of Easter. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Come to the table.